We would like to advise that the following program may contain adult themes, occasional nudity, and language that may offend some listeners. Thank God it's... And welcome to Studio 222 at the ABC and Ultimo for another edition of Thank God It's Friday. I'm Richard Glover and please welcome this week's gang. It's Patrick Sunderland, Tommy Dean and Gene Kitson. And with the music, it's the star of Joseph and his amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat who will be singing for us live. Welcome and let us check first that you're up with this week's news. Who now has a cross to bear? Who now has a cross to bear? To bear. Well, we're talking about Chris Minns and the cross bench. Exactly. Yay! Ten out of ten. Um, everyone agrees that this election was just the nicest, most polite election ever. <laughs> and Mr. Minns and Mr. Perrette, they'll they'll be doing road trips and together no, in their no, breaks. No, you go be, first. Yeah. You go first. No, you. <laughs> Have you tried this scone recipe? Yeah, they're so sweet together. And now Mr. Minns, of course, he needs two all three independents to get the numbers to govern. And this could be, and, you know, a problem because we already remember Oakshot and Windsor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we don't want to go down any track like that. We oh, don't want a whole lot of they horse could, trading. They, they could speak for just three hours, perhaps, yeah. <laughs> in describing <laughs> what they want to do. Yeah, well, if you get... If you get the if if he has to get crossbenchers to support him, then he's just it's just going to be a lot of mule trading and horse trading, mule skinning for yeah, you know, like it's going to go on for decades of debate. So the obvious solution, I have a solution. Oh, good, oh, good. Because Mr. Perrottet and Mr. Minns love each other so much, <laughs> I think Mr. Perrottet could lend Mr. Minns some of his coalition backbenchers to make up his numbers yeah. until the next election. <laughs> Here's Bronnie Taylor. Go yes, on. Bronnie, <laughs> Please. just go over, help Jeez, Mr. Yeah. Minns. I mean, she'll be upset leaving her gang, but she'll be in yeah, government. Yeah, yeah, she'll yeah. be happy. Yeah. This will mean fewer angry name-calling debates and no dodgy deals. <laughs> but then we with... won't be able to call them the cross benches if they're not angry. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, boom tish. <laughs> Pat Patrick, what, what, you know, because on the night it looked like it was going to be in majority. Yeah, it was a complete surprise. It, it, it absolutely changed complete fortunes, not pointing any fingers, Anthony Green. You know, but uh, but I, I have to say that if I was in the position of one of these cross benches, you know, I think you don't you don't have to ask for political concessions. We don't have to make this a politics thing. Just ask for other favors. We know Chris Means is good at playing guitar. Ask him to serenade you when you walk into the state parliament. Something like that. Get a bit more creative with your requests. You know, get uh, uh, Labor backbenchers to deliver you martinis when you're on. You know, oh, just things good. like that. Why not? And then you just say, "Fine, I'll vote for whatever you want." Just do the hard bargaining. What do you reckon, Tommy? <laughs> well, you know that I follow. State politics with such yeah, yeah, yeah. careful, yeah, yeah. careful, <laughs> careful dedication, scrutiny. dedication. So <laughs> careful scrutiny. I mean, I, that's why I sound a bit weary right now because it's just I've been I can't sleep until it's decided. Mm. And, I mean, Goldman uh, alone has kept you well, awake. That, that's, that's the one that keeps <laughs> me up the most because if they move that sheep again, <laughs> I just don't know. 
if I could support that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it used to be where it was, and then it moved, and it just took. They moved well, the yeah. sheep. They moved the, the, sheep. The, the big, the, the big marina the, with the gift ball in its big. Well, yeah. the, sh- yeah. the shop, the shop didn't move. The shop is still up its bum, <laughs> yeah. but the, the side of the whole thing moved. Well, it wasn't the fact that the sheep moved that frightened me. It was just the size that. Sheep dogs I had to bring in. <laughs> it was just, I thought all of Sullivan was going to be trampled. So and, and, they, that, and that ute. Oh, crazy. Yeah. It was so crazy. Uh, I, I, I don't know exactly how it works, but I feel like, I feel like they sh- this is, if there ever there was a place for the gift card economy, uh-huh. Chris Bins is now, just load them up. Yeah. You know, you want a Telstra card? You want a Netflix card? Yeah. You want a hundred dollars at Westfield? Come on, come over here, Greenies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just I, that's why you should just mail them. Just not even don't even like lead with legislation that might upset them. Just right now, right now, <laughs> get on the front foot. Get when on it comes the front foot. Yeah, just yeah. send them heaps <laughs> of gifts cards. Know their kids' birthdays. Get a couple of phones. Yeah. Isn't this what we call it? Like, what we technically call bribery, isn't it? Yeah, I think it might be. Some... Oh, by the strictest definition, <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's only if they spend it. <laughs> then it's on them. It's on them for cashing in. Oh, right, How dare yeah. they cash in on their political power? Well, they can cash in on it, but as long as they don't change the way they were going to vote, then it's still not bribery. Yeah. That's just them getting money for nothing. That's right. And then I'm just saying, if he gets up for early, then everybody's happy. <laughs> well, I was always going to vote for that, Chris. Yeah, Because yeah. it was an excellent idea. We've got to keep the positive vibes of this election going. Like you were saying, it's been the most cuddliest uh, one. That's to, right. Yeah. I, I was really kind mind. of hoping that on the night they both gave a concession speech at the same time. <laughs> no, you go first. <laughs> no, 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 you have an idea. <laughs> All right, there's only been one vote cast, but I'm pretty sure it was for Tom. Yeah, it really so should have been for him. Yeah. I, you know. <laughs> I voted for him. Pat- Patrick Sunderland, uh, Tommy Dean and Gene Kitson are here. Now, who has a roof on their ambitions to give people a roof? Well, if there's one thing that I follow even closer than state politics, it's national politics. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing like when the federal government gets itself involved in solving the world's problems that they probably caused. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what we have here is uh, Mr. Albanese uh, definitely uh, has a great plan. T- Tommy was just showing off at that point that he yeah, knew the name yeah, of the prime yeah, minister. He, well, you know what's he helpful? He looked at his notes, so No, no, I was for the that? next number. The number 30,000 homes is what I had to look up. Oh, uh, right, okay. Now, Anthony Albanese, me go way back. Uh, it's really <laughs> very helpful if you are the prime minister of this country, if you live in the same suburb as I do, uh-huh. and shop at the same Woolies. Oh, so you've seen him out and about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what he buys. Yeah, yeah. we like, had many a chat over the price of broccoli mm. while standing at the broccoli stand. So his, his, whole, his whole, because he shows some, you know, he talked today about the price of living crisis. He basically owes his insights into you, to you, does he? <laughs> well, I mean, if he's talking about broccoli. <laughs> like, we, you know, he was kind of, you know, he has this way about him. It's like, you know, he feels like he's paying attention to you and he wants to talk to you. But I'm like, Broccoli is really expensive right now. Like, yes, Tommy, it's very expensive. Uh, the problem is the drought, and we have this climate uh-huh. trouble. And I'm like, what about the celery? You get one vegetable. You get to discuss one vegetable with me. There's too many people. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next time we'll talk about the carrots. But you've told me about your broccoli policy. Your broccoli policy is appalling. Your broccoli policy is if it's too expensive, you just break off the stalk bit and leave it behind. Yeah, it's called, it's called, I don't know, it's called, it's just, Use what it's called user pays. It's called thing. No, you know, use your pays. Wasting the stock. It's not wasting you the stock. There are many the people stalk. that use the stock, and I'm making more stock available. Imagine <laughs> how many stock lovers of broccoli are so pissed off at how much flour is at the top. Yeah. Yeah. I'm creating 
extra demand yeah. for stock. It's so important when it comes to broccoli that we don't let perfect be the enemy of good, which, of course, <laughs> right. to uh, subtly bring it back to the... Uh, <laughs> subtly bring it back to the topic. To well speaking done, of greens. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, greens. That's what I was yes. doing. I was already being subtle. Yeah. <laughs> which I have to say, I do love that that is the, the stock line that, that Labor has when it comes to the greens policy, that they always let perfect be the enemy mm-hmm. of good. I would think that the first step in negotiations, political negotiations, is not to describe the opposing party's policy as perfect. I think that is a slip-up. I think that is something you do not want to acknowledge. Okay, but the actual story, ladies and gentlemen, is is that, Gene? The Albanese government wants to build 30,000 houses for the 650,000 people the government (laughs) wants to deliver to the two biggest cities. And the maths is a bit challenging, I have to say, and reminds me of a quote from... uh, Churchill, of course, the Churchill touch when the government was arguing over battleships. Uh, Churchill said the Admiralty demanded six ships, the economists offered four, and we finally compromised on eight. So <laughs> the Greens said 30,000 isn't enough, so they want to block it. I should have said so that they want, first. To, they want yeah. to vote it down. And they say, want to vote yeah. it down, but, you know, so maybe they'll compromise on, you know, 60,000. Like, you know, <laughs> I don't know. But I suppose a compromise really would be to build enough housing for everyone who's already here and then think about it later. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But you would have to be good at sleeping, on, st- sitting on each other's laps. You, you're yeah. going to have 600,000 people in 30,000 30, homes. Yeah. yeah. They're the new people. That's not even taking into consideration the people who haven't got the. Houses. And the new people are here because of the economists. And and the real question is, are economists growing at a faster rate than the rest of the population? <laughs> and if they are, do we need lots more people to pay for them? That's... There is an epidemic. There is a plague. I, I, I just can't believe the, the absolute hypocrisy of the Greens. You know, this is an inner west... A party, they love share houses. And you're telling <laughs> no. me that they don't want to stuff people in 15 person a house Exactly. Homes. That's like, where all the Greens posters are. So. <laughs> the, great, the, great, the great Franklin Delano Roosevelt, a broccoli stalk in every pot. Campaign slogan for Tommy yeah. Dean for the next uh, election. Now, who went off piste when it comes to public opinion. Oh, well, I know exactly what this story is about after just quickly Googling the phrase off-piste because I am... Isn't it uh, a great term, though? <laughs> it is a great term. It great is fantastic. Term. But this is, of course, the uh, the trial of the century. This is uh, actress Gwyneth Paltrow <laughs> has been embroiled in this legal dispute from years ago where she... Uh, both parties alleged that they ran into each other on a, on a ski slope. One, this guy is saying that Gwyneth Paltrow skied into her. She's saying she, he skied into her. And it's just this... Uh, this massive thing, which has been resolved this morning. Gwyneth Paltrow was fighting over who is at fault, and uh, as of this morning, Gwyneth Paltrow has succeeded in the case. She's won mm. her legal costs plus one symbolic US one dollar. Solid. So the jury agrees, really, that there's no proof that she whacked into him. Well, Not- yeah, the thing is is that she she seemed unscathed, but you have to know that she's brimming with goop products <laughs> that make her absolutely indestructible. So what the jury had to understand was that she was completely bowled over, but just through the power yeah, of goop right. survived. Yeah, yeah. Or is it the other way around? My feeling was that she was actually guilty. Oh. She crushed into him, <laughs> but as they entangled themselves and rolled down the hill, she gooped him up. Oh, she gooped him. She had some pocket yeah, goop yeah. ready to, ready to, to apply. Yeah. Well, she, I think she always has it oozing out of it. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> a lot of her lawyer's evidence was this guy's injuries weren't as bad as he said, and your theory fits right into that. Yeah. Yes, he was mm. terribly injured, but there was a curative process in the process of the collision. Yeah, that's what I mean. Just, mm. just, just seeing Gwyneth Paltrow makes everything a little bit better. Yeah. Imagine what it would be like to just be smashed into her on skis. And, and I also feel it, better just thinking about <laughs> it. If, if you got merely a sort of quarter of a tube of Gloop product yeah. on you, that would be worth the $300,000 totally he was claiming. Worth it. Oh, absolutely. And then but some. now he has to pay $4.8 million the in her cost. lawyer costs. Well, we don't know that yet, I don't, <laughs> don't think. we? No. Well, that has yet to be determined. Oh, whether he'll legal. get all those costs or not. But, but it's I mean, also, it would I think, be... Oh, yeah. oh, no, go. No, go. No, go, go. I just think it's a curious indictment of the um, American justice system. It seemed like a case that didn't need seven years. Hmm. To sort out, like it feels like. Oh, I don't know. They were doing reconstructions of accident pathways and well, yeah. physics simulations. It was quite uh, over the top. And everyone was learning the rules of skiing, right? I've, I've, yeah, I've exactly. been skiing, yeah. but uh, apparently, said, if he... you're down hill of someone, you have the right of way. Oh mm. yeah, well then that's obvious because they're in front of you. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're uphill, you can't see them. I don't think it was quite fair because in a, in a trial of you know, with the jury and everything, the jury going to want to side with the famous popular actress. I reckon yep. this guy, uh, uh, Terry Sanderson, I think his name is, he should be allowed to nominate a celebrity stand-in, like mm. in Game of Thrones when they have a champion in a trial by combat. You know, he should just be able to summon <laughs> Brad Pitt to, to represent him. I think that's the only way to make it. But fair. I think the part that was unfair is that during the entire trial, she burned a candle called. Colonic innocence. <laughs> <laughs> I, think it, a, I think his he, decision to get Johnny Depp as his stand-in though maybe is the problem. Completely backfired, but it was very big on TikTok, so that's something. Well, yeah. no one. There's very few people that support him, even though Gwyneth is probably one of the most sort of you know like ridiculed people divisive, around. Yeah. Divisive. Well, you know, she's got a goop. Which sounds like something you put on your axle, actually. Goop. <laughs> She's got a goop empire, so there's people supporting her. And I mm. actually looked up goop, and my look, those products, they're written so well, I wanted to buy some. <laughs> <laughs> there you're, was you're... a dark spot sleep milk, and then it's got, and I'm going, no wonder she's got an empire. So but just you... like that retired bloke, you're down $300,000. Yeah, yeah, I'm down, <laughs> just, just researching. But is an, is an accident with an optometrist a sight gag? No. I think so. <laughs> Must be. Oh, no. <laughs> with Richard Glover. We have Patrick Sandler and Tommy Dean and Jean Kitson, and from the cast of Joseph and his amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, we have the star Ewan Festrovic Doidge, who plays Joseph, and also Daniel Griffin on the piano, uh, on the lovely ABC grand piano. Ewan, welcome. Thank you for coming in. Thank you so much for having us. Now, just describe this new show because it's got a lot of glitz and glamour and there is even, because I've seen the photographs, and there's <laughs> even the odd photograph of you in a golden chariot looking very happy. He needs some sound, I think. He needs some sound in his headphones. Sorry, I've just lost yeah. you for one yeah. second. There but, you are. <laughs> yes, I want, to, I want to describe the golden chariot. The golden chariot. Oh, well, that comes in at the end of the show that they, um, a couple of my guards get to bring me and present me to everyone as this kind of, I guess, godlike, um, you know, angel that they've brought down from the heavens. Mm. And, you know, and you thought typecasting again. Oh, stop it. <laughs> um, no, but it's a beautiful moment in the show. You know, we've gone through this whole entire journey with, with Joseph himself and his brothers and family. And it's the one time we all reunite and we sing the Any Dream reprise, which is what Joseph sings at the start of the show. Yeah. And it's, it's magical. You can see it on the audience's faces that it's something, you know, something that they know so well and they've been waiting for this moment. The, the staging is important, though, isn't it? There's a quote that's often 
often that Lloyd Webber uses a lot when he's talking about his shows. He says the audience hears what it sees. Absolutely, that's very true. And especially in a production like this, it's it's written so well um, for all those obvious reasons. And it's um, it's noticeable as performers, we can feel the audience feeling exactly um, how we feel. Hmm. Joy, that's the word that's used in all the reviews. And what's interesting is that this is one of Lloyd Webber's first shows. He was still a teenager when he wrote it. I know, yeah, it's pretty wild. And it's been, you know, going on forever and it started out in schools and churches and, you know, it was about dressing up and coming up with this beautiful story and it's it's lasted as long as it has and I think, um, you know, testament to this new production and how they've recreated it but keeping its... Um, you know, truthfulness, um, which is why it's been so successful mm. in the first I mean, you, you mentioned the schools, which because that's the way it started, yeah. as a school show. And in a way, this production comes around to that idea. It puts children back in the centre, at the centre of the stage. Absolutely. And that's so magical about Joseph in general is that there's so many children and it brings a whole different um, youthful energy. And for us as, you know, adult performers, you will have this new energy constantly being thrown at us every night. And it's, it's very beautiful to witness. Yeah. What fun. Now, what are you going to sing for us? We're going to sing the Any Dream Will Do reprise. Of course, you from the new production of Joseph and his amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. It's currently on at the Capitol Theatre. And here we are live on Thank God It's Friday. I closed my eyes, drew back the curtain to see for certain what I thought I knew far, far away. Someone was weeping, but the world was sleeping. Any dream will do. I wore my coat with golden lining, bright colors shining, wonderful and breaking and the world was waking any dream will do a crash of drums a flash of light my golden coat flew out of sight the colors faded into darkness I was left alone may I return to the beginning the light is dimming and the dream is too Still has a tail.
dream will do. God, and it's so big, but it's so warm. Your voice. Did, were you in school? Because uh, a lot of people were in the school production of this. You know, were you in a school production of it? No, I wasn't. I wasn't even born when it was here last. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, there but you I go. wasn't, but I know it very well. Thank you, what, you. what were you in as a as a school kid? Sorry? What were you in as a school kid? Um, I was in Disco Inferno. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was it. Patrick, you were in this one, weren't you? Uh, yes, I was in a high school production uh, as uh, the French one, the French brother, whose name I'm sure you know, but I cannot recall. Yes, you would have seen Kanan Days in the exactly, show. Exactly, that, that was my... Yeah. And I was described by reviewers as one of the cast members, so <laughs> that was a big deal for me. It is a memorable performance when the person who gave the memorable performance can't remember it. <laughs> Well, I was in a I was in a version in high school as well, but I was the coat check clerk who was in this scene. Yeah, he's like, yeah, give me yeah. my coat back, and I like stand the whole time going, <laughs> "I need to see the ticket." That scene makes me tear up every so time. It's so sad. Where's your ticket, man? I know I know what coat you're talking about, but where's the ticket? Yeah. That was such a treat. Enjoy uh, your beautiful uh, gilt and, and glamour, and even the golden chariot. And thank you very much for coming and visiting no, thank us. Thank you all so much for having us. us. We're here till April 16th. April, April 16 at the uh, at the at the Capitol Theatre for the new production. It's uh, wowed them around the world, in particular uh, in uh, in the, in the West End and then uh, just been in Melbourne, now in Sydney at the Capitol Theatre with that fa- fantastic performance from Ewan uh, Fistrovic Deutsch, who plays Joseph, and Daniel Griffin, who did that uh, amazing work on our little ABC grand piano, <laughs> electric piano. So thank you very much. What a treat. Now, talking about shows that are coming up, the Thank God It's Friday live show. Tickets have just gone on sale literally uh, 20 minutes ago. It's this on at Chatswood Concourse and will sell out. It's Thursday, April 27. Tickets are just $10. Uh, Wendy Harmer, Tahir and Rebecca will be part of it. Uh, we're going to have the fantastic band, the Soul Movers. These nights are fantastic nights. We've had them there a few times before, but they do sell out. If you want a ticket, grab it quickly. They went on sale, yeah, five minutes past five. So there'll, there'll still be some there, I'm sure. abc.net.au slash Sydney is the place to get your tickets. abc.net.au slash Sydney is the main uh, Sydney ABC page and that big banner on the top will tell you exactly how to get you know, it. Last year when we did this, yes. I complained about the $10 price tag. You did, but, yeah. You said but, I, was, I was making a light of your skills. Yeah, but now you'll notice that I'm not part of this particular production at the Chatswood because I'm on my first ever annual leave. You're going to America, From yeah. my big government job, so I'm off. Uh, so I think $10 is about right. <laughs> For Wendy and Tahir yeah. and Rebecca. <laughs> it's exactly right. And the soul movie. Yeah, so good. And me. Perfectly priced. Yeah, perfectly priced. What I, I mean, we, I, I would have actually said nine ninety five, but <laughs> we're a round-up economy. Why not round it up? Uh, as I say, abc.net.au slash Sydney. Let's check the statewide traffic if you're battling around wherever you are. Here's the latest. 
ABC Radio Sydney Traffic. And Jeff Wallace joins us from the Australian Traffic Network. Good afternoon. Afternoon, Richard. First of all, Sydney, the M4, that's the main culprit. I'm seeing a crash off to one side eastbound around the twin service centres. Heavy both directions. Another crash down around Church Street, uh, Granville, uh, eastbound for the M4, off to one side now. Statewide, just seeing the run around Wollongong. Very slow for Berkeley, the M1 heading down towards Yellow Haywards Bay. Broken Hill to Coburn, road surface damage for Barrier Highway. And Parks Road surface damage, Henry Parks Way. I'm Jeff Wallace. Australian Traffic Network. Jeff, thank you very much. And some news headlines. Adam Story, good afternoon. Afternoon, Richard. A small group of supporters of former US President Donald Trump has gathered outside his home at Mar-a-Lago in Florida after he was indicted by a grand jury in New York. Mr Trump will become the first former president to face criminal charges reportedly over hush money payments made to former adult film star Stormy Daniels. Federal Treasurer Jim Chalmers has been handed the long-awaited review of the Reserve Bank. More than 51 recommendations have been made and the government says the report will be released in full sometime in April. The Federal Attorney-General has refused to be drawn on whether or not the government will scrap controversial terror laws. A report from Australia's National Security Watchdog has demanded the scrapping of powers allowing convicted terrorists to be held in prison after completing their sentences. And a funeral has been held on the Gold Coast for rugby league great John Sattler, who died last week at the age of 80. His casket was carried into the church, draped in a number 13 South Sydney club jersey. More news at six o'clock. Adam, thank you. And the weekend weather statewide. Tom Saunders is here. Good afternoon. Afternoon, Richard. What did today bring? Well, finally, some cooler weather. It's taken a while, but uh, the overnight temperatures were much cooler than anything we've had so far this year, actually, as much as 10 below average across the state. Can confirm, though, Sydney's just had its warmest March on record for maximum temperatures. We averaged over 27 degrees this month. Uh, The state, though, has been generally dry today. Okay, the weekend. So across New South Wales tomorrow, a cool day, a few showers developing around the coast and the ranges. Even the chance of early snow on the Alps above 1,700 metres, it will be a dry day west of the divide. Specifically for Sydney on Saturday, partly cloudy, high chance of showers, but they probably won't develop until about lunchtime. So I'm hoping we get away with some Saturday morning sport. Temperature range 15 to 21 for Sydney. And Sunday? So Sunday we'll have showers again for the coast and ranges, mostly north of the Illawarra. There's the chance of storms for the north coast and the adjacent ranges. And again, it will be dry west of the divide. It does sound like that rain is going to continue, at least for Sydney, into next week. Yeah, we're going to be stuck in a pattern with onshore winds, Richard, probably for the next seven days or so. So there's a high chance of showers for Sydney basically every single day for the next week. Okay, see you on the 7 o'clock news. Cheers. There you go. There's uh, Tom Saunders. Thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's Friday. With Richard Glover. Patrick Sunderland, Tommy Dean, and Gene Kitson are with us this week. Now, hey, before we. Uh, Tommy, <laughs> Tommy, Tommy. I've waited a long time to ask this question. Yep. I probably could have looked it up in the off time, but I find it's best to appeal to you, your knowledge, and if not that, that of the listener. Yeah. Uh, for years, the weatherman has often referred to weather happening north of the Illawarra. Yes. What is that? Well, that's the uh, conurbation. You remember uh, in uh, school, in high, in, <laughs> do you remember in that moment in primary school, it was year five, if I remember, and they brought in the, con- the concept of conurbation. Now, to us Australians at the time, I mean, I was in year five a long time ago, mm. we didn't have conurbations. It was one of the things that made us be so envious about Americans because they just talked endlessly about New York and, and Washington and the conurbation between the two. And we thought, we don't have a conurbation. Why can't we have a conurbation? And so for all the rest of the year, people think Sydney's spreading into good rural land just by chance. No. No. It's because people want to be able to finally use that knowledge they gained in fifth-year primary school and say, as they drive down towards Wollongong, look at that. Look at that conurbation, darling. 
when oh. they're stuck in traffic in Dapto. I have never heard that word. <laughs> yes, I am. When they say when they're stuck, the stuck in traffic in Dapto, and their partner says, "Isn't this terrible being stuck in?" Tra-? They'd say, "Well, that's what that's you get from living in a conurbation." A conurbation, like uh, well, that's so. where the Illawarra is in the conurbation. Oh, I see. North of the Illawarra is north of the conurbation. Well, it, it, well it's it, into the conurbation. <laughs> it's the gap between Sydney and Illawarra. It's, it's, it's the gap between Sydney and the Illawarra. What's Which the is Illawarra? Oh, okay, yeah, we're, we're, we're working from that level. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, I was quite clear with that I almost don't want to say now. It's the area built around the Shoalhaven River. Which is? Yeah. A river called yeah. the Shoalhaven. The, right. Which is south. Anyway, the point is showers. <laughs> <laughs> Just so we're clear. Just so we're clear. I, I'm excited to hear about the uh, the t- terrible weather coming up because I'm going to the uh, Brigadoon Scottish Festival this weekend. Mm. And what is more Scottish than a horrible drizzle of of, of rain? You mm. you won't be able to find Brigadoon because it only appears every hundred years. Yeah, absolutely. Or are and you only going to Glen Innes? Glen Innes is that where it is? No, it's down in Bundanoon. Oh, Bundanoon. Yeah, the Bundanoon Brigadoon, the Bunda Brigadoon. Oh, the Bunda Brigadoon. <laughs> yeah. well, if you go to the Illawarra and turn right, you'll find it. <laughs> Catherine says on the text, weeping with that, with the beauty of that song. It was, uh, it was lovely. Now, yeah. a cruise company has promoted and sold all the tickets to the first really long cruise. Not three weeks, not three months, but three years. With tickets <laughs> bought by an equal mix of retirees and digital nomads who plan to use the cruise ship as their office and well lifestyle. It costs $130,000 to go aboard in a small cabin for three years. What's life going to be like on a three-year-long cruise? And could you live your whole life on water? Jean Kitson, are you signing up for this? Oh, well, there's 5,000 people on this cruise, isn't there? I don't think quite. There's 400 cabins and I think about 1,200 people. Oh, right. Well, it's, it's the population of that hometown you left to see the world. Really. <laughs> <laughs> so I reckon three years should be long enough to generate a small town's feuds and rumours and affairs and, and pregnancy, pregnancies. And pregnancy and drinking problems and every now and then you'd have a lifeboat drill and one of the lifeboats just keeps rowing, rowing. Mm. I think it would be great, though, actually, because, you know, like you could write that book you always thought of writing, you could read all the books, you know, what, what you, that you thought you'd never get around to reading. I mean, that's all these people who aren't driving cars, your carbon credits mm. would be huge. This could be a whole carbon capture offset, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. It's, blah. Really, it's really the same upsides to being in prison. Because, you know, <laughs> a lot of time to read, you're not driving anywhere. So. Exactly. Not driving, but you get... Unlimited alcohol. <laughs> that is the one, the one difference, I suppose. I, I mean, but speaking of though, the, the two things that appeal to me—it's two words: international waters. Mm. I mean, living your entire life. Sure, it may cost you know a bit over a hundred thousand dollars, but think about the money you can make back from you know embezzlements, etc. <laughs> who's gonna Who's gonna persecute you? Pirates? No way. We've sorted those people out. Hopefully, and the casino. Don't forget the onboard casino. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If they play their money right, they you might come out of a head. Or you could do a put the oceans in Oceans 11 yeah. and they, rob the casino. They've taken the casino out in order to put in an office centre for all the digital nomads. Oh, true, true. Boo, boo. Are they oh, really? What, the well, point? but imagine the weight you'd put on. Because, you know, like they've got, what have they got? They've got, you know, 10 restaurants and bistros. They've got 20 odd bars. They've got vending machines and room service and deck service. You'd just be the tip of a fatberg on that, <laughs> on that ship. You'd put on so much weight. That's the only thing I don't know. Free beer with dinner? 
See, I, I, did, yeah. I did the mathematics on this. So I, mm. I, I worked out that a, a typical one-bedroom apartment in Sydney now costs $90,000. The cheapest, okay, this is a, a windowless this cabinet. This yeah. yeah, that's $30,000. Will, no, $90,000 will get you a one-bedroom apart, one apartment in Sydney for three years. Right, yeah. So this is $130,000 for a windowless interior <laughs> apartment. But you do get free beer and wine. And in fairness, I think your average Sydney apartment is windowless and very cramped. With the cost of living going up, it's a bargain. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think we maybe that should be Mr. Albanese's solution to the uh, the inflation crisis. One single <laughs> hull. We have some sort of ballot system like conscription, and mm. half of us have to go and live on the cruise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, basically. Well, I've like, heard rumors of people holes. doing this already. Like I've heard, I've read stories about people that have. You know, taken to the ship life, yeah. and that's the argument. You know, it, it costs less to live, and they can just keep going on world cruises. This one is on is less unappealing uh, because of the all the same people. Like one of the delights of cruising um, that I've in my limited world of entertaining on cruise ships is the churn, the fact that there's <laughs> new people. Okay, but let's say you're the entertainment, the Tommy. How are you going to no, that's the problem. How are you going to do your act for three years? years? That's what I mean. <laughs> this feels like, I don't know if you ever saw the TV show Avenue, I think it was called Avenue 5, where it was like a spaceship, it was like cruise shipping in space, and then it breaks down and they get stuck for five uh, years. Uh, uh. <laughs> that sounds like Gilligan. Yeah, and there's yeah. one comic on board, and like every night they're still expecting him to show up. <laughs> oh, and he just gets more and more angry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, you, you mentioned Gilligan's Island. This is Gilligan's Island without the trouble of going through a crash. You're just stranded yeah. with these people. Well, that's the same as Gilligan's Island, because Gilligan's Island started as a three-hour Three, yeah, a three-hour cruise, and then it went on for three years. Wow, they screwed up the cruise mm. that quickly. It was only yeah, three yeah. hours. So this is basically the plot of Gilligan's Island, this yeah. thing yeah, right, yeah, right this there. Because we're going to have, I think, I think actually they're already booked as a millionaire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a, right. A, a model? What, what, was, what, what, what was she, was she an actress or something? a scientist or something? Yeah, There's some yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it all rhymed in the <laughs> yeah, thing yeah, I can't yeah. remember. Are you ready for no, the Wheel of Death? Heck yeah, let's take okay, it out on the ocean. Okay, today's toppings are stepping stones, jelly beans, boot polish, uh, <laughs> best fried rice, award nights, jigsaws, coincidence, hush money, cheese grater, uh, whimsy, saturation, buckets, Vegemite, and gargling, which one's fully full of gargling, like. <laughs> uh, I mean, the only one that fears, in a sense, is because I don't like it when they put judgment on it. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it should have just been fried rice. Okay, you don't want it the best fried rice. Well, because oh. all fried rice is good. <laughs> That's my problem. Be like, what's the best one? The one you're having. Yeah, I'll edit it. That's the best one. Round and round and round it goes where it starts. No one You've knows. Never had a bad fried Today's rice. topic is best fried <laughs> rice. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> You see what happens. You see what happens. I fall for it every time. Best fried rice. Look, the best fried rice, and I I was making jokes earlier that they're all good, but there's only one. There's Mm. only one fried rice is good. The one you're having. I just said that. I said (laughs) a minute ago. I don't know how you can go wrong. First off, here's a little thing you need to know. I study food a lot, right, Uh, at the University of YouTube. And (laughs) so I've seen a lot of videos on fried rice. Uh, here's the secrets. One, just make rice. A lot of people think you got to start with day-old rice. Don't start yesterday to make extra rice and then wait till tomorrow and be sad. Just make rice. Make rice and then fry it. Fried rice. Oh, no, I'm sorry, sorry. I'm writing this down. So yeah, start right again down. from the very beginning. Rice. Right. Fry it. 
You've lost me. Fried rice. Oh. It's all in the title. Like, <laughs> secretly, it's all in the title. So, okay, but no, like, a lot of people are like, to, hey, Tommy, to, what's to... the secret ingredient in your buttermilk pancakes? Well, it's probably buttermilk. <laughs> it's right there. Don't you cook the rice in water before you fry it? Oh, sorry. You're right. <laughs> I... I didn't mean to imply you started with <laughs> raw so, rice. So much disagreement over this two-step no, situation. I just saw this as an ABC, saying, as an ABC no, legal no, issue that no, half the right. population are going to have stomach right. cramps by tomorrow because you've told them no, to okay, fry okay, their... Okay, okay, un- that's right. If you're dealing with you know classic fried rice as you know the dish, you do start with cooked rice. But the common knowledge is that, that cooked rice should have been cooked a day Yesterday. or more previous. Yeah, yeah. It's like you're So that it has a bit of fridge dryness to it, so that when you now reintroduce okay. it to the oil and aromatics, it explodes up and goes a bit puffy and becomes the fried rice texture you know and love. Okay, but you're saying that's not necessary. No, I'm saying you can just cook some rice and then with your but cooked rice, you... go to work as a fried rice dish. I cooked that's fried rice last night, as a matter of fact, and I looked up a recipe because all my, my fried rice is always gluggy. Yeah. Uh, so I thought, and it was, and it's sort of white and pale, and so I thought I'll look up a recipe, and I looked up Thai. Well, it looks, it looks like Sky Presenters, does it? Stale <laughs> ale. <laughs> gluggy. <give> you a, <laughs> what do you call it? I call it conservative pundits. <laughs> mm. This one was a Thai Thai state railway station. Fried rice. Marion, who was a winner or on, you know, MasterChef many mm-hmm. years ago, Marion's Kitchen, I think she has now. Mm. So I found her recipe. Like, mm. whoever looks at I don't look up recipes very often. But <laughs> so, you know, this fried rice is day old. It still turned out cluggy, but, but you put all sorts of things, fish sauce in it, soya sauce, mm. well, sure. okay, tomatoes. Well, well, so you get you the full recipe. I mean, you're basically dealing with a protein. You can deal with your vegetables. You can deal with your aromatics. Uh, aromatics. Oil, oil and temperature. Mm. Aromatics are simply your garlic what's and your Gene, ginger. What's, what's, and your yeah. what's Gene like doing wrong? Uh, my guess is probably just the wrong rice to begin with. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah. You know? And no, also, most right. people, I find, uh, overcook their rice anyway. So if you have... Super gluggy rice from the night before. It's still going to be gluggy <laughs> rice the next day. Can I ask you a Underwater question, it. Tommy? I've yeah. I've been doing the fried rice on the uh, on the uh, the little Weber barbecue, and I'm having trouble getting it on the skewers. Yeah, <laughs> it's taking me all. But that's more day. like a rice kebab. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> like you're a kebab. right. But see, I've done it without the kebabs, and then I just have to kind of dig no, it out. You know from what the I would recommend? You have a do you have a jaffler? A jaffler. Do you have yeah, like a sandwich yeah, press? Yeah, sandwich press. Yeah, sandwich press fried there. rice. Ideal. <laughs> Ideal. Just lay down like a layer of ham, layer it's like rice. It's like a double paella. Pa- 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 yeah. <laughs> Such a... That's great. Yeah, yeah. You get the crunchy paella on, <laughs> yeah. paella on both sides. It's so good. Uh, but also, you know, if you start with raw rice, I mean, now you're in the world of pilaf, really. So we're moving mm. away from the topic. Mm. But if you, that's how you make like a really good Spanish rice to go like aside your Mexican dishes. Or risotto. A, and a little bit of oil. Yeah. Yeah. Well, risotto is a whole different rice again. But oh. that, that requires a whole lot of confidence, doesn't it? Because you're not allowed to stir the rice. You have to sort of just know that it's going to burn on the bottom a little bit yeah. and have the self-will, the self-mastery to, to just let it do that without... Without well, stirring panicking. or panicking well, or true. taking it off too early. Oh, I didn't know you're not kitchen. meant to stir. It's like a personality test yeah, you got a hold. In, a, in a meal. <laughs> it's the same, if, it's the yeah. same if you like working with chicken thighs. There's a variety. The a main chicken thigh technique for a variety of dishes is to, you know, after you've spiced your chicken, is to put it in the pan, smooth side down, and just wait. Well, that's where just the wait, name, don't move. that's wait, why don't move. they call it the game of chicken. Yeah, as well. that's exactly right. You're, you're, you're staring down that yeah. chicken thigh. And people are like, flipping it, flipping it, flipping yeah. it. <laughs> Sweat pouring down your yeah, head. Yeah, don't, don't. No. Just hold. Hold. But how do you get that sense of self-mastery, Tommy? That sense that... Repetition. 
Okay. And then and and seriously, just, you know, pay attention. So many people get mad in the kitchen. I don't understand why they don't pay attention. Like, you know, know that you're going to fail. Like, make your gluggy rice. Mm. But, know, but know why it was gluggy. Say, all right, I used exactly one cup of rice and two cups of water, and it came out gluggy. Mm. And now, you know, ask yourself, what rice did I use? Did I do again next time? All right, it was a little gluggy, so now I'm going to use exactly one cup of rice and one and three quarters you, cup of water. It's really frustrating me because my husband cooks rice, and his rice is always fluffy, and I cook it exactly <laughs> the same way, and my rice is always gluggy. They're going to break up! <laughs> Did he die, ladies oh, and gentlemen? Really did he die angry. or did he live? He also, Adam, Yowell, me on your show. I Adam Yow, get me on your show—I do not want to know why Adam Yow has not had me on his show. Yeah. <laughs> it hurts me. I watch yeah. that show with other yeah. so-called cooking comedians, yeah, and yeah. they're terrible. Come on, I Adam. know. Call me, Adam. Come on, Adam. Call me. Have Tommy on your show. <laughs> he taught me everything I know. <laughs> <laughs> now it's April Fool's Day tomorrow. So, what is the most foolish thing you've ever done in your life, Gene? Oh my gosh, where to start, really? So I think um, the first thing that comes to mind is a story about when I was first a mother and my, my, and my young, youngest daughter, I oh know my older, my first daughter, so I'm a mother for the first time and it's my daughter's fourth birthday and, and we couldn't have it on a birthday so we had it closer to Christmas and I thought, I know, instead of a birthday party, we'll have a sort of Christmas party and all the people I invite can come to this Christmas party and I'll get Father Christmas and instead of her getting all these presents, we would put all the presents in a bag, Santa Claus, and then Santa Claus, Father Christmas would hand them out and this party was in a park. So so all, everyone meets in the park, the public park. They drop their presents at home without knowing that all their presents are going into Santa's sack. Santa, the hired Father Christmas arrives and he's just broken up with his boyfriend and he's very upset. So my husband gives him a drink or two, I don't know, a whiskey. Yeah. And says, so, have, have some fluffy rice, mate, while yeah. you're there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't touch the gluggy one. Anyway, so we're down the park. Father Christmas arrives slightly, you know, inebriated. inebriated. And of course, the, he starts handing out. At the, every kid in the park went to Father Christmas to get a present. All these random children that weren't at my daughter's <laughs> party, all these tiny six year olds are going, Father Christmas. And he's just handing out yeah, the yeah. presents. And I want, you know, I'm trying to be sharing and caring, so I'm sensitively grabbing these presents out of these tiny kids' yeah, hands and, and, and kid- going, Kicking them in the face, yeah. Say, These presents aren't for you, but Father Christmas gave it to me. I go, no, he didn't. He gave it to those children over there. Go away, go away. And there's tears, and then the mothers found out that the presents were being distributed to other people's children, and they were upset, and that was probably the most foolish thing I ever did as a mother. It was just horrible. It was horrible. I am traumatised. Every kid in the park was traumatised. I had random mothers coming up to me going, you've just taken (laughs) the present out of my five-year-old's hands that Father Christmas gave her. What are you thinking about? Are you crazy? And, of course, you know, like... I was crazy, hmm. crazy. Well, you, you addressed like the Grinch at the time, right? Which <laughs> yeah. actually made the whole thing a lot smoother. <laughs> what was the most foolish I, thing you ever did, Patrick? Well, I spent a gap year at a school in Ireland at a boarding school where I was one of the gappies, you know, mm-hmm. and I was helping out. And I remember, so you're a kind of filling teacher helper, kind yeah, of thing. dog's body, yeah, yeah, just yeah. whatever job needed to be done. And one of the things we do was kind of supervise the 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 boarding 
you know, rooms where the kids were, were sleeping. And one point in the middle of the night, um, on the level of the school that I was in, a fire alarm went off and it was the evacuation order and everything went off. Uh, and so we all, we got together and we got all the kids and we uh, 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 evacuated them all. But then we realised that one of the children in the year had a cochlear implant. Mm-hmm. Um, and he switches... Great, great Australian invention. Absolutely. I hope you pointed absolutely. that out. Well, oh, to anyone who would listen, um, which was him, thanks to the cochlear implant. <laughs> uh, but he would, he would have it off or, or, or whatever it was when he was asleep. So I suddenly realised, oh, that kid hasn't heard the alarm, he hasn't heard anything. So we would go back up and I go into his room and then he has the terrible thing of being shaken awake by a panicking 18-year-old who's having the first, uh, uh, you know, job ever given to him. I could have tapped him on the shoulder, I could have lightly poked him on the foot, but I pushed him going, <laughs> oh, get no. he can't hear what I'm trying to say to him, he just sees me <laughs> screaming at him. Um, so I traumatised that child and then to add <laughs> insult to injury the next morning, one of the uh, one of the teachers was going like, "Oh yeah, so I heard about that, and the uh, you, you scared that boy, and the, when the fire alarm happened, and uh, and by the way, what what happened? What was the story behind that?" And I said, "Oh, I, I think he was just." Born that way? I'm not actually sure. And he goes, no, Patrick, how did the fire start? So just because I hadn't embarrassed myself enough, I had to add that element into it. He should have been Jean's helpmate in yeah, that park, yeah. uh, Tommy Dean. There's well, so much judgment yes. in this question. I yes. mean, what, what, what children one did you... Might, yes. One might call folly, another might call a lesson well-earned. I don't know what the most foolish thing I did is. Was it when I said, I'm going to drop out of college and get into comedy? Mm-hmm. Was that foolish? <laughs> it felt I, right at the time. I'm not so sure now. Uh, what about that time that I said to a woman that I just met, we should get married and go to Australia? Mm. Was that foolish? Or was that the way my life was meant to be lived? I, it's, hard to, <laughs> it's hard to know. You know. What about that time I invested all that money in a T-shirt company? And then, and then that guy moved. <laughs> to uh, to South Carolina, which I learned later doesn't have extradition treaties <laughs> with Arizona. So hard to say. So hard to so say. So hard to say. That, you know, what about the time you know that I used my fake ID to you know get a job with? It turns out to be a a Latino gangster. <laughs> you know, was that a bad choice? You know, people usually get fake IDs to do fun stuff, right? <laughs> no, yeah. it, was, it was fun. Are you saying <laughs> Latinos don't know how to have fun at the gangster level? <laughs> Only one but some out. of the bad mistakes lead to good outcomes. Like the, yeah. fir- the disastrous first marriage leads to the well, wonderful second, second marriage. marriage. Right, yeah, I get the country. That's what I mean. I don't, so what, what is foolish? Mm. Real. Um, without that gangster job, you wouldn't have that incredible chest tattoo that you've been showing <laughs> off. <laughs> or <laughs> need to, you know, suddenly relocate to Australia thanks to a quickly realized and, marriage. And change your name to Tommy Dean from Tommy Hernandez. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so many changes. But, I, you know, I worry. I, I, I have to say this because this is the worst. I'll never forget. First, I, I, I don't like April Fool's Day at a mean level. I heard you guys talking about it yeah, earlier. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's when it's cute. I do like the cute mm. jokes. No, when you're really fooling people, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's just fun. But my dad is my, my only... My, my dad is a fun person, generally speaking. I joke about his gun-loving, but in reality, he's quite a nice fellow. But in one moment of hatred that I'll never understand, uh, he, my, they had a lottery, basically the lottery ticket scam. Uh, he bought the new ticket with the last night's winning numbers. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So if last night, 666661, yeah, uh, yeah, I'll yeah, go and buy that new one. <laughs> six, my, my parents had a tradition of they'd buy the lottery ticket. It was always on the Saturday morning. So he went out early Saturday morning and bought next week's oh. ticket with Friday night's winning mm-hmm. numbers and put it in their little slot. <laughs> and they got wow. up for breakfast. Oh, uh, that's What mean. were you going to do with the money? What, what was running through that's your mind? Mean. No, no, I remember. I remember specifically all my brothers were freaking out. I hear everybody yelling. I was like, I'd gone out the night before. I had a show. 
I was a little wasted. And I just hear all the whole family, we're rich, we're rich, it's amazing, our lives have changed. And I'm like mostly thinking, we'll be rich in an hour, just let me sleep. And then he <laughs> says... And I'm looking up, those. my eyes are opening up, I'm looking at, all my brothers are dancing around, my mom looks happier than she's ever looked in her life, and behind her I see my dad, and he has a look on his face that I know. And I know that that is not... I'm rich. Oh, that is a man who is really, really pleased with himself and is also willing to pay the ultimate price that he did pay. One year of silence. <laughs> and so there's a point where he just says sotto voce. Oh, gosh darn. Why you don't know, you look at the date? Forgot to mention, maybe I bought some new tickets. Maybe you should check that. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. Oh. wow. Oh. It was brutal. I, I am a more fan of the light-hearted April Fool's joke, which is why I can finally reveal what I've been wanting to reveal all day, which is that I came into the studio earlier before yeah. the uh, you had come in, and with armed with a post-it note, I've literally right directly above your head written the word gullible on the ceiling. Yeah, I know. It's good, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Uh, oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just for the listeners at home, he did look. He did actually look. So I've, I've, won, that. I've won that round. And, uh... <laughs> and I know, this is hilarious, but just because I work in the industry, uh, I snuck into the studio just before Patrick mm. came in because he was out wrangling guests. Yeah. And I spritzed a little bit of COVID on his microphone. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a little bit. That's a good bit. one. Uh, he's so good. But I know he's vaccinated. So he's fine. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, well, we don't need to discuss that. We should acknowledge it's a difficult time for Mr. T, April Fool's Day, you know? Oh, it's the worst. So many people to pity. So many pity him. Yeah. So much pity. Yeah. I don't get that, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that silence. I can just hear one of the producers in the studio. Mr. T pities the fool. It's why it's, 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 it's his main thing. It's kind of how it's been. Who's yeah. Mr. T? <laughs> what? Thank Christ you're here, Tommy. <laughs> well, at, least, at least unlike anybody else in the cell, I know the word conurbation. Yeah, exactly. I'm pretty fool that doesn't know what conurbation means. I'm very confused tonight. <laughs> Thank God it's Friday. <laughs> we have Patrick Sunderland, Tommy Dean and Jean Kitson with us. Uh, now, Dr Michael Mosey has been in town this week. He's a bit opposed to people getting pricey gym memberships, as he says it's hard to keep it up. Better, he says, to build incidental exercise into your day-to-day routine. So what are the exercises you are adding to the day-to-day things you do all the time? Patrick. See, I, I find it difficult to trust people like Dr. Michael Mosley mm-hmm. because he comes from a position to be like, oh, you don't like going to the gym, here's alternatives. But he's still trying to get you to exercise, and that, that mm-hmm. I resent. So I write a lot of uh, angry letters to Michael Mosley, and in the doing so, <laughs> I've actually, as you can see, my right arm is pretty jacked. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I'm looking leave, good. Leave I'm looking the country fresh. now, Mosley. <laughs> Gee, that's good, isn't it? I feel fitter already. Yeah, exactly. Tommy, how do you build yeah. incidental Look exercise? Sure. I don't think Dr. Mosley knows this, but a lot of us like subscribing to things that you know, tend or $20 a month that we never use. <laughs> it's a thing of today. We well, all like doing you it. You get lighter, particularly in your wallet. Yeah, so, mm. so that's just it. You know, I, you know, walking to the ATM and then walking back, knowing that maybe next week. <laughs> I build that in. Um, I, I used to try to shut it down, but I, I'm kind of taken. I, I can't bring myself to do this, but a lot of people at work uh, take the stairs instead of the elevator. Yeah, that's the sort of thing he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. and I get that, but so I don't know if this counts, but I imagine... <laughs> that I'm taking the stairs. And the way I do it is when I get into the elevator, I push every button. Yeah, yeah. So I'm on the sixth floor. So I, I just push one, two, three, four, five, six. And then every floor I imagine, I, here we go, one more. Yeah. And then... <laughs> and if anybody's running for the lift on the third floor, you put your leg out to stop the lift door closing, right? Yeah. So that's a bit like yeah. a can-can move. Uh, and I yeah, stand at the back of the elevator. So I ask you that. It's like a little <laughs> sprint. Aerobics, yeah. 
you know, it's like a little sprint. I do that. Yeah, does it count if you do the walking behind the couch to make it look like you're going up and down the stairs? Does That's that... very good for your glutes. Yeah. That's what I go I, I go up and down. We've got three flights of stairs and I go up and down them as often as possible, possibly because I forget why I went up them in the first place or down them. It's yeah. a bit like looking in the fridge syndrome, only it's better for your glutes. I think you're just trying to get away from your gluggy rice, yeah. to be honest. How, how do you build in incidental exercise, Jean? Well, we didn't even have gyms. You know, when when I cared about exercising <laughs> in the sixties and seventies, there was no such thing as gyms or jogging, nothing like that. Our only exercise was dodging the draft or trying to <laughs> trying to get out of your clothes in the heat of the moment. <laughs> trying to get into your jeans was an exercise in itself. I don't know where Tommy gets the idea of. $20 a month. I remember dropping $1,500 in a year on a gym. Wow. That I jo- How yeah. often did you attend? I, never. <laughs> Just to pay and sign up. And then I, att- I had to attend again to say I want to stop and it took three weeks to stop because you had to give them notice or something. Yeah. This was in the uh, But you had to scream days. and bang on the door, which is where you got all the weight loss. Yeah, yeah that's right. Absolutely. But remember cars, you know, cars used to have wind-up windows and no power steering. Yeah. There was just built-in <laughs> exercise. Pump, pump the brake to stop. Pump yeah. the brake to stop. Mm. I, remember, right. I remember when it first kicked off, like in the late 80s when the gym membership thing really started. And there was actually, you know, big stories in Arizona of gyms that were getting caught out because people were turning up to use their membership and there was no equipment in the building. Exactly. The owners are going, well, yeah, we sold the membership, but we didn't, we didn't think anybody was going to come. We have one medicine ball and we're, that's it. We're, we're waiting to win the lottery and luckily we've got the right number. <laughs> Who are the winners and losers? Tommy. Big winner. Democracy. Is it democracy? It's or just fun for the news, but Donald Trump has been indicted. Uh, bringing that little chapter to a close. Will they? Won't they? They have. And then he promptly, promptly tweeted that he had been indicated which is just perfect, that he can't spell indicted. (laughs) So good, President Trump. And uh, speaking of weird right-wing idiots, uh, my loser is uh, Australia's own Mark Latham, who, you know, hadn't really popped up for a while, but now raises up in a way that... Here's the weird part to me. If you are living in a world where Pauline Hanson says, what you said is wrong, what world do we live in? I also like the fact that 5.4 million Labor voters in that election of 2012 or whatever it was are today turning to their neighbour and saying, did you vote for John Howard? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Who are the winners and losers? Uh, the winner, Gwyneth Paltrow, is obviously the winner, the goop that keeps on giving. <laughs> Even though goop sounds like that brand of hair gel Cameron Diaz used in, you know, something about Mary. <laughs> but uh, the loser is um, the, whoever takes, keeps track of those smartphones because I borrowed my daughter's and realised they'd be the insurance companies would be thinking she was a 68-year-old woman. So I put it on the dog last night when I took him down and threw the ball. So it's going to really wreck their algorithms. Patrick, winners and losers, just quickly. Yes, uh, winner is a new study has found T-Rex and dinosaurs have lips, so I'm the winner of the week because I've always wanted to smooch a dinosaur. Yes! yes! Uh, the loser is mammoths because they were overhunted by humans, driven extinct, and now scientists have brought them back in meatball form so we can eat them all over This is again. a 3D printer, isn't it? Yeah, uh, this is lab-grown uh, meat. They brought back the mammoth meat and uh, look, I'm going to be first in line. Do you, get a, big, do you get a big steak? <laughs> I think it's sad to think, though, you can now smooch the T-Rex, but you still can't hug. I know, it's so, so hard to hug. So sad. Because so of the little hands. Yeah, yeah. They, they can't hug you back. Can't hug you back. Oh. <laughs> Maybe science can do something about that. Uh, please thank Patrick Sunderland, Tommy Dean and Gene Kitchell. Yeah. Next uh, week is Good Friday, but TJF is back a week later with Bridie Connell, Gene Kitson and Tommy Dean. 
Until then, I'm Richard Glover. And thank God it's Friday! I've only got a Technicolor scarf. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.